0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Central Virginia Sport Performance Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jay DeMeo. Today, I have got us a great guest. I am elated to welcome Justin Landry to the podcast. Selfishly, as a guy who's been fortunate to work in the game of basketball, I always love getting to sit down and talk with, you know, the men and women who get to prepare the men and women that we get to see compete on the nightly basis. And Justin's been doing it at a super high level, East Coast, West Coast, East Coast, West Coast, and East Coast again. But man, we're going to get into talking about the development of players and really, you know, his unique thought process to it, because I think there's a lot of cool things that he's doing that he's put out that he talks about that really are going to be beneficial to people. And listen, it's not just about if you train basketball players. These are things that you can take into any aspect of training. Justin, I'm stoked to have you here today, man. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. And Thank you for having me, Jay. I appreciate it. Well, listen, before we get too far into this, let's let everybody know, you know, who is Justin and how'd you get back to Atlanta?
1: Oh, man, that's that's a long story, but to make it short, uh, you know, I'm from Oakland, California, born and raised, uh, but... Um, Once I graduated as an undergrad at Cal State East Bay, I traveled to go to the Midwest to get my master's degree and over at Tennessee State in Nashville. And and that experience alone um, opened my eyes to um, the other side of the country and the opportunities that um, was there. Um, And that allowed me to be able to move around and go down to the University of Texas, uh, Baylor university. Um, and ultimately landed my first full-time gig, which was at Troy university down there in Troy, Alabama. Um, and then ultimately going to UC Davis, um, from UC Davis went to Georgia state and Georgia state went to San Diego state and now, uh, back in Atlanta at, over at Georgia tech. Um, but all those, um, opportunities allowed me to be able to grow, um, And develop and and really have some amazing relationships uh, with people that if I never stepped outside of my comfort zone of living in California, I may have never met.
0: Yeah, and along the way, you've gotten the opportunity to learn under some really great coaches and develop, you know, your unique method of developing basketball players. So let's, let's get into what are, what are the real driving factors behind what Justin does and looks at when he starts to work with his guys?
1: You know, for me, it's really started out um, when I first started working with basketball players at the junior high and um, high school and junior college level. Um, I was just more so looking at it. What could I do in the weight room? Like I really wasn't looking at what the sport was doing at the time. Um, and when I went down to University of Texas, I got an opportunity to work with Todd Wright, uh, and that opened my eyes to being able to look at the game um, as well as what I was doing in the weight room um, and took my uh, my vision and planning and um, how I design my programs um, to another level. Um, and so for me, like the game basketball is really a three-dimensional sport. Um, and so you're training for the game. Um, when you are in the weight room because it is the capacity that the athlete needs to be able to be successful um, translating what we're doing in the weight room to the court Um, and if they don't have that capacity um, one to for instance being able to rotate and move their hips do they have the capacity to be stable and have mobile ankles right if they don't have those things then Ultimately, they're going to be limited on the floor. They won't be able to defend. They won't be able to um, get into good good positions, good postures, and be able to shoot the ball, um, get past defenders. Uh, So when I'm thinking about uh, what we're doing in the weight room, um, it's about breaking down those tasks that that the coaches are being asked of the athlete to do on the floor um, to make that athlete successful.
0: I dig it, man. I think that understanding the nuances of the game so that you can then reverse engineer it is vital for all of us. Exactly. So walk me through that process a little bit here. When you have the guys come in, you know, what are some things that you're looking at? And then how are you then allowing those to drive some decisions?
1: So in the game basketball, I'm looking at some tasks that they have to be able to do. So once I get an athlete to come in, one, I take pictures. Um, You know, for me, the the reason I take pictures is not just to be able to show the athlete how their body has um, changed physically, um, if they are um, trying to lose some body fat or being able to gain a little bit of weight, but also how are they standing statically, right? Like, Are they leaning to a particular side? Are their shoulders rolled forward? Um, Or do they have that lordotic posture? Um, Those things I'm looking at in those pictures. Uh, I'm looking at, can they skip? Can they hop? Can they jump? Can they leap? Um, Can they shuffle? Um, And the range in which I'm asking to do it is not, it's let's just say we're going 10 to 15 yards, but I just want to be able to see, can they do those things? right? What are those limiting factors that they may have? Are they able to actually swing that arm all the way through? Are they able to swing that leg, that back leg all the way through? Are they able to push off that big toe? <clears throat> like, and so that allows me to begin to be able to put um, their program together based on those needs. Um, and there, there are a lot of global things that the team going to need, and that's the ability to be able to move through that ankle, through that hip, um, through that thoracic spine. Um, and so those three things are going to always be within our program, but then it comes down to those individuals as far as what exactly in those three areas does this individual need to be able to make them successful.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, an awesome perspective because all too often I think we overcomplicate things and we make it a little bit more challenging than we need to, especially early on without having the buckets identified that we're looking to fill in, in any sense, whether you're looking at energy systems or you're looking at specific areas of the body that may need more mobility or stability or whatever, and identifying whether those boxes are filled or not to then decide which directions the training needs to go. Right, you know <clears throat> before
1: you can check a box, you gotta be able to know where you're starting from, um because if you already have those boxes checked before an athlete walks through the door, um you've already pigeonholed that athlete um and the thing that I learned working with athletes at each level is that everybody's different, everybody's environment is different, um how they perceive training is different um and Um, their experiences in playing basketball is different. Um, So I have to be able to take that time to um, individualize um, certain aspects of the program. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that everyone is going to be able to, is going to do within our program. Um, But then there has to be some individualization within that program in order to make sure that this athlete um,
0: is improving. So then how do you monitor or evaluate that improvement and then make changes as they progress?
1: Right. So uh, one of the things is um, I like to watch video a lot, Um, whether they are, whether it's from our training session or it is uh, from practice indoor games. Um, And the reason that I watch those videos, because the videos tell me a lot. I can be able to freeze frame some some things. I can put some things into slow motion, Um, but that allows me to be able to um, see where this athlete started from, and if what we've done thus far has been able to help them improve. Uh, The second thing is communication, communicating with that athlete to figure out how are they feeling, um, and do they notice any difference. And then the third thing is we have tiers to. Um, particular exercises. So um, when we talk about mobilizing that uh, ankle, the hip, and the thoracic spine, the first thing we want to be able to do is being able to move it in all three planes. Um, So all three planes, sagittal, forward and backwards, frontal, side to side, and then transverse rotation. So for instance, if I'm speaking of the ankle, one of the first things we'll do is just a A wall ankle rock where that foot is firmly planted onto the ground arms are extended into the wall and you're just rocking that knee forward and back while keeping that back heel uh, firmly planted onto the ground so once that heel starts to pop up off the ground like we back off we got to decrease that range motion and then we do the same thing side to side and then you do it rotationally and so what we find is that the more that we have done it we've been able to increase the capacity in that ankle which then allows us to continue to work allow us to work on that big toe Um, because at the end of the day as a basketball player your feet are always in contact with the ground so if your feet are always in contact with the ground if i never address them then i'm putting you at a disadvantage already because you have to be able to have that big toe little toe and heel always in contact with the ground being stable, having some mobility on it, because if if someone is leaning on you and you never use your feet or know how to use your feet, then you're already lost. So after we go through the mobility, then we're going through stability. So for us, just a real simple one would just be single leg balance, right? Where I'm just standing solely onto my right leg, left foot is off the ground, And we're going for time, anywhere between 10 to 30 seconds. And I can decrease the, I can increase the difficulty of that by closing one eye, closing both eyes, um, throwing you a tennis ball to catch with one hand and toss it back to me. It could be them standing on uh, a balanced disc um, at the time and still going for that um, given time frame. Um, And seeing how that athlete is able to navigate the instability that has been created in that environment. Um, And then from there, we do hops. So hops meaning that I'm jumping off that right foot. I'm going forward. I can go lateral. I can go rotational, but it's in a small space. I can go leaps where I'm jumping off one foot to the next. Or I can go to a jump where I'm jumping... Off of the ground and landing onto but we let's just say I'm jumping off one leg still and I'm landing onto a low box and I'm looking for the stability on that box. Is that athlete able to decelerate under control on this box?
0: I dig it, man, and I love the fact that you're so willing to share um you know the actual progressions that you go through because I think that that's really important for people not just to like talk about progressions, but to share them so that people can look at it and see how they fit and evaluate them in, in their own situation. But I'd like to just circle back here a little bit, you know, before you got into how you progress through your tiers, you were talking a little bit about communication with the athletes. The uh, question there with that is when you're communicating with them, you know, a lot of people nowadays love to talk about autonomy point in the thumb. I do as well. Um, and how much say that might not be the right word, but how much say do you allow the guys to have in their physical preparation? Um,
1: for me, there is not a lot of autonomy per se. Um, I think through the course of our conversations um, that I have with my athletes um, and listening to what they are saying and what they need, then allows me to create progressions for them. And as we're going through those progressions, it allows me to be able to explain to them how it is helping them and how it is, um, it fits in with what they said that they feel like they need. Um, and it also helps that I'm always at practice. So being able to understand the game, because end of the day, the game is three dimensional. So if we're talking about it, let's just say an athlete is saying that they need to uh, get faster. To me, when an athlete says that they need to get faster, I'm thinking of their first three steps on the court. Like, are those three steps aggressive? Are they putting force into the ground? right? Because they're never going to get to full speed on the court. Are they able to go from um, the corner and sprint up to the wing? Um, Are they able to um, turn on and off the switch, right? Um, Because at the end of the day, like that is what an athlete is really talking about when they're talking about being faster. They want to feel explosive. They want to get from one point to the next. They want to get off the ground quickly. They want to feel bouncy, which is is what they say when they want to get off the ground quickly um, to get to the rack. Um, So like those are the type of things. when When I'm thinking of autonomy, I'm thinking of like, okay, what is this athlete telling me that they need? And then how can I put this into a progression for them, for them to be able to understand like, this is what you said you needed. And this is how we're going to progress it to be able to get you to where you want to be.
0: I love involving them in that sense because I think that at times what can be the easiest and hardest part in our role is identifying and communicating the weak link in their performance. Because we can show metrics till we're blue in the face, but what they believe is slowing them down nine times out of 10, or even maybe 10 times out of 10, you know, what they think is the issue is going to be the issue.
1: Right, because at the end of the day,
0: our job is to
1: develop great movers, restore movement that has been lost. And when I'm thinking of a basketball player, I'm thinking of someone who is a, is fluid, like they do things effortless, Right and the ability to be able to um, shift and change gears um, at the drop of a dime, right? Without any hesitation, no hitches um, within that movement, right? And then their ability just to be able to accelerate and decelerate to the given spots that they wanna get to, right, like, ever again, like I said, every athlete wants to be explosive. They wanna be bouncy. And in their minds, they want to be fast. Um, but when you think of fast, it's really like the the those first
0: three steps. So, how do you communicate that to them? Because I think that at times, helping them define what explosive and bouncy means for them, and how they project themselves on the court, can be a challenge.
1: So. I explain it to them through um, the other part of our evaluation process um, in which we look at their, the NBA combine testing, but also we have some other jumps that we utilize um, as well and show them how that measures up. And then also I ask them who their favorite players and then also ask the coaches, what player does this particular guy remind you of? And then I pick those two to three things uh, that each of those players are really good at. And then I figure out, okay, in order for this person to be um, more fluid, what exercises in the weight room do I need to utilize for this guy to be successful? Um, So whatever squat pattern that may be, whatever press or pull pattern that may be, um, there, there are some things that are selected, um, to be able to help them. Um, and then you, and then showing that to them and putting that together on the plan. Right. And, and now when they come to the weight room and they see their comparisons on their sheet, they're like, okay, my coach gets what where, where, where I'm trying to get to as far as my body and, and the things I want to be able to do on the floor. I can see how these exercises are going to help me.
0: Yeah, and handling that situation, you know, I think has been, at least in my setting, really been impacted on this change in landscape as to what college basketball is right now.
1: Yes, (laughs) it's never, it's ever changing the, the new landscape of basketball right now.
0: Yeah, and this entire transfer portal, NIL world that we live in has really had to focus, had to refocus how we move through our training cycles and how we build these programs out with these athletes. Yes. So let's run down that rabbit hole a little bit, Justin. How does that, uh, how how, how has that impacted you? How has that, kind of changed how you look at the day-to-day and then the long-term programming that you put together for the guys?
1: Um, For me, it really just starts with functional training. I know functional training has gotten a bad rep over the years, but when I think of functional training I'm thinking of what are the requirements of this sport, right? And so when I'm thinking of developing um, a long-term program. I still look at the national championship game and then still planning backwards. But, for instance, uh, this summer, um, and coming to um, a new school where um, you still have athletes that may be coming in towards the middle of the summer or even the last couple weeks of the summer, it was okay. This athlete still needs to be able to lunge, squat, do a push up, pull up, whatever those those exercises may have, may have been that are selected. Um, and so, how do I get them to go from this um, body weight to um, loaded exercise in whatever given period of time that I have uh, with them? And in that period of time, being able to show this athlete, whether they've been with me for eight weeks, four weeks or two weeks, how they've gotten better, right? Um, And that came with not only the video that I spoke with earlier, but also um, the, um, we're also utilizing ConnectSign. Uh, So what I used with the ConnectSign uh, this summer was I looked at some of our worst movers um, at the start of the summer and how much energy they were displaying to change direction um, and how fatigued they were early on in the summer. Um, And then looking at how our practice, practice time didn't change, coach kept the same drills for, Um, three weeks at a time. So now did this athlete get better? Um, And did they get better in the weight room in a sense of like, are they able to get in and out of this position faster? Are they able to get into this position easier? Are they able to um, use... Again, progressive overload, are they able to use more weight now that they've gotten better at this task, right? Um, Because I can change the demand of a particular exercise to be able to see also see if they've gotten better. I can increase that range that I'm asking them to lunge to. Um, I can um, change the height. I can change the implement that they've been using. Um, I can change the speed. Um, I can even change the environment in which I'm I'm acting do those things. So I just looked at a case by case basis based on when that athlete started, and then be able to. Sh- and then I was able to show them uh, their progression um, over that period of time that I had on whether it's for the complete eight weeks, four weeks, or two weeks.
0: I can dig it, man. And I think that if you're able to at any point show improvement that can't do anything other than to help things progress in a positive way. Yes. Because I at me,
1: <clears throat> athletes will improve. And the thing is like every athlete improves at their own rate. Um, because at the end of the day, an athlete has to also be able to grasp in their mind um, everything that that you're asking of them to be able to do. Um, and so a lot of times like I have I allow the athlete to be able to, after I've given a coaching cue on a particular exercise for the last week to two weeks, I want to be able to see if they're able to grasp what i've been asking them to do for for the next couple of training sessions because instead of me continue to repeat myself if it's the same thing now it gives them ownership now it gets them to have a better understanding and feel for how their body um is moving right um because you want to be able to not only is that part of functional training? But that's all that's what a transformational zone is. And transformational zone is just is basically like how we move out of a base stance, which would just be, basically be a squat stance, right? And so if they're able to, for instance, if I'm taking a lateral lunge and they're able to lunge laterally, the range of motion, if I'm asking that athlete to sit their hips back and stack that knee over their ankle are they able to finally get the concept of pushing out accelerating out of that position to get back to that standing stance right right or do they have a the capacity to do so and now after a couple of training sessions they aren't able to get that then I have to figure out what it is they're missing what is it that I need to change about this particular exercise because actually to be able to grasp it because they aren't able to understand what I've been asking them to do.
0: Yeah, and that's the fun part of the process, right? Yes. Yes. When you get to run down those rabbit holes and start digging into what might be the limiting factor, whether it be physical, psychological, mental, and find ways for them to better be able to own positions, move through positions, and then be fast and explosive through them. that's it. I love it, man. I love it. So now let's, let's get into one more thing here, Justin, because you've, you're a guy who's really had the fortune of being at a, at a lot of really successful programs that, and you've seen them build and you've seen them grow and you've seen things in a, you've seen a common game played through multiple styles with multiple leaders What is a commonality that you've seen across the board that you say can be indicative of success in this game we get to work in?
1: Everyone pulling in the same direction. And when I'm saying pulling in the same direction, that's everyone understanding that each person within the program has a role to play. Strength mission Coach. His role is the development of the athlete, athletic trainer, um, keep continuing to help keep those athletes healthy um, and safe. Um, the coaches putting together the right game plan, players being able to follow those game plan, being able to be consistent uh, with the things that are being asked of them, um, but also no one ever. Um, having an ego of of, well this is this person's area like they can't tell me anything because we can all learn from someone else Um, and for instance every university that i've been at i've had a great relationship with my athletic trainer Um, and the reason being is that man my job is not bigger than his or hers and vice versa Um, and so um, i'm always going into a training room uh, one, cause I want them to know how much I really value what they do. They have a great understanding of the body, um, and, um, in their, uh, in their eyes of what they see, they see movement as well. And so how they see movement, I may not have, there are a couple of times where I may not have caught a couple of things and I learned from my athletic trainers, um, and vice versa. My, my weight room is always up for them to come in and watch and us to talk shop and, and things like that. Um, but everything goes hand in hand. It's, it's no one ever had a, um, this is my area. Um, there was always a, I had basketball coaches ask me, what do I see? What, can, what do I feel like we could do better at? Um, it's so like, that's been the common theme. Um, for all of the
0: universities and schools i've had the opportunity to be able to work at i love that man there's some power in everybody knowing their role and fulfilling it to the best of their ability exactly well then with that justin let me get you out of here with this man like you share some great stuff you know especially in your stories with what you're doing with the guys is uh Let's make sure that everybody knows, you know, before we get out of here where they can follow you on all the socials and all that. Yeah. You can uh, follow me on uh, Instagram and
1: Twitter at J land underscore P E R F. I'm on Instagram and and Twitter. Um,
0: And uh, man, and I look forward to connecting with you all. Yeah, man. Make sure you guys hop over. J land underscore perf on both. I mean, do, do we call it X or do we call it Twitter? I don't know. I'm <laughs> going to know it's still Twitter, but whatever. Um, and Instagram and Justin, this is a great half hour, man. I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you so much for being so open to sharing, you know, so much of what you do with these guys and, and your voyage, bud. this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, we will be in touch real soon. Thanks again. And as always, thank you for everything y'all do for us here at central virginia sport performance we'll be back next week with another awesome guest we will see you then